everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Random Weekly Podcast with Jana and Megan. Each week, we pick a random topic to discuss and analyze from our unique points of view. We love to laugh and cuss, hence the explicit content warning, and hopefully we make you laugh along with us. There are sure to be some twists and turns along the way, so make sure you hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode seven, where we're actually going to take your questions on sports photography that we've been talking about for several episodes now. We have been talking about it. We just, we're finally putting words to action. We're on episode seven and we're doing our third episode on sports photography. So this is a majority of our life outside (laughs) of the podcast world, and we're just making it our podcast world. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm sure everyone wanted that. But we actually got several questions from from people who are listening and people that we know in the sports photography world, and we're going to cover some of them today. We actually did cover quite a few questions that were asked in previous episodes. So if you're interested, go back to listening to episode two and episode five, which are our two previous episodes on uh, sports photography. But today we're going to specifically be answering your questions. So should we get started? Yeah. Okay. So the first one I have on my list is ethics versus getting the shot. I'm assuming that means, you know, there's rules about not being able to step on the field, that kind of thing. But I guess, when do you just say fuck it and go get the shot? And when do you have to be respectful of the game? Um, I personally, would, <laughs> I'm a rule follower. So I always say ethics comes first. Um, there's not really very many rules I can break anyway, so I can usually typically always get the shot. Um, I think the only time I've really ever broken the rule was, um, it it probably was a Rangers game, and it was probably, like, ninth inning, we were about to get the walk-off, and I was, like, standing in a no-stand zone so that I could run onto the field quicker than I usually would. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like at that point, nobody cares because they want the shot. Um, so <laughs> my super rule following self says ethics always come first, but that's only because I've never had to break rules. So I think I'm in the same boat. I really haven't had the, the point where I would have to break the rules. I can usually find a way to get the shot within the rules of whatever I'm doing. I will say that because last season was my first season shooting pro baseball, that at the beginning of the season, I was very strict with the rules. I was constantly asking for permission, either to be in a certain spot in the dugout or when it was okay to move. There's some rules that I that are like unwritten that I follow. Like I, If I'm in the line of the sight of the pitcher, I don't move until they've thrown the ball. Uh, little little things like that where I'm trying to not be distracting while still getting the shot. Right. So it's not really a rule. Yeah, and I guess with that, like, I, we've talked about this before, is I just try to stay out of athletes and coaches' ways. Mm-hmm. So, like, as long as I'm doing that and doing my job, I, I mean, I typically have free range, so. I got really lucky with the ports because we don't really tradi- have a traditional photo well. And so I had gotten down into the dugout and kind of stayed in one corner and then kind of gradually got more comfortable and kind of moved around. And then I talked to the manager. I was like, where do you want me to stay out? Where, what's a no-fly zone for me? He's like, oh, stay, stand wherever you need to get the shot. There was one time where he had moved out of his position and I got up to get a quick shot and he came back before I was done. And I apologized profusely. And he's like, are you kidding? Get the shot. I got a second. 
Yeah, so like we don't really have ethics to follow. So. <laughs> I think we're already very respectful of the game that we're shooting. That's fair. Regardless of what it is and whatever level it is. I don't have, I don't break more rules for college than I do for minor league. Right. I typically follow the rules, but there's a certain comfort level depending on the team you're shooting. Yeah. And yeah. So it comes down to comfort. Yeah, I guess I if I have a little bit more comfort, I'm a little okay getting close to towing the line. Right. <laughs> but I don't cross it. I don't think I've ever yeah. crossed it. I have run onto the field after a game, but it was legitimately after the game had finished and they were celebrating on the field. Yeah. And then then I feel like that's okay because like, I mean, at least for the Rangers, they specifically asked for that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say I did kind of push it at basketball where like I would put my foot just over the line and see if the ref mm-hmm. catches me. But then our SID, who is also a ref, was like, no one cares. Like, <laughs> if you need to put your foot there, put your foot there. So, well, that extra inch or two is not going to mean you're going to get stepped on more or less. Right. It's not like the player is going to stop at that line. They're going to come barreling at us anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be like, no, this is the photographer's zone. Don't go out. No, like <laughs> one one or two right. inches. I had I had to do that in basketball too, where the video guy was there was just not enough room on the court. And so my knees were just over the line and I felt so dangerous. I felt like crap. I'm re- I'm really in the way now, but yeah. I'm like, it was literally an inch over the line. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, Ooh, look at me. I'm a troublemaker. And then really like nobody cares. Nobody notices. And that's my extent of breaking rules is nobody notices anyway. That's it's the same here. <laughs> I guess me taking shots in the dugout and like getting the guys to pose for me or, um, which is normally for like a promo shot, but I I try to be invisible. That's always been my goal and I've been very good at it. I this last year became a little less invisible, so Yeah. But it's it's that comfort, man. I don't know how you could be invisible. Like you kinda stick out. <laughs> I always I used to think that and then people are like, Oh no, I didn't even see you. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez, thanks. <laughs> so memorable. For those of you who don't follow me online <laughs> Or don't know me in person. <laughs> I have a very large head of bright red hair. Right? Like I might have just fa- sounded like a complete <laughs> asshole. Like, oh, Megan sticks out. <laughs> she has this weird, like, <laughs> I don't know. I have this big ass <laughs> nose. I'm always wearing hopping shoes. <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes she honks a little bit. I don't. I don't know what's going on, guys. <laughs> the eye patch is a little deceit. Like. It's a little in your face. No, I have a lot of very red hair that I keep curly and big and I basically let it fly. So you would think that I would stand out in a field of green grass and, you know, dirt and stuff, but not always. Okay. So our next question is uh, about our camera setups for different events. Um, More or less what, what we bring with us to games, depending on what game we're shooting. I know you mentioned that you had a couple of lenses that you tend to use more often than any others? Uh, yeah, I only alternate between two. I have quite a few, but my main ones I use. Um, one's a seventy-five to three hundred millimeter, and mm-hmm. shoot, the f-stop. I want to say it's four to five point six. Um, and then my macro, um, which I shouldn't use for sports, but sometimes I do. Um, I that's a eighteen to one thirty-five millimeter. And then mm-hmm. the f-stop is, what did I say, 3.0 to 5.6? Yeah, I think so. 
So, the, I, I have a bunch of other ones that I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what they are. Because I don't use them. Yeah. I when I very when I really first started I had um I think it was a seventy three hundred um F five to F four to five point six, I think. Um and that was all I used for everything, but it was I was mostly mostly just shooting baseball and then I started shooting a little bit of water polo. So it was all outdoors, natural light, that kind of thing. Um I have a right now I use my seventy to two hundred F two point eight because I do a lot of indoor shooting. And that actually works out pretty well for basketball. Um, I have a newly acquired 300 millimeter. It's not a zoom. It's always at 300 millimeters. And it's an F4, which is pretty great for day baseball games. And a 2470, 2.8. Which for under the basket at basketball or especially when I'm shooting like beach volleyball because I can really get on the court for that. Um, having that wide angle can be helpful sometimes, especially when they're right in front of you. And that F-stop is nice. (laughs) That F-stop is so nice. Um, It helps with dugout shots too. The dugout's kind of dark because it's shaded and everything. So even during a day game, um, having the 2.8 is kind of nice. I want to use my fisheye more, but I don't. I need to – I carry it with me. I just forget when I have it. So That is my – I have wanted a freaking fisheye <laughs> since high school and I have wanted it ever since then. And I've never bought one. I'm determined to get Yay, one this year. Do it. Do determined. It. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait. So last thing you took photos of that wasn't for work? Uh, flowers at the Arboretum in Dallas. Was that the tulips? Or was it something else? No, I didn't take pictures at the tulips. I did okay. take pictures of tulips. But but um, no, it's like the botanical gardens. And that was weeks ago. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, my son just has had his fifth birthday. So I took pictures there, but it was mostly his first pitch and then him opening presents. So it wasn't a lot. Um, I The only thing I really ever make sure I try to take pictures of is if I think it's going to be a good sunset and I'll pack up my gear and go drive out a little ways where there's a little bit more space and fewer buildings and light poles and stuff. So sunsets are really... They're the thing I'm trying to nail. I'm <laughs> landscape photography is so different than sports photography it's that I can't wrap me. my head around it some days. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. I can't figure. It. I want what I want to do most are two things. Um, we live near a lake, and I want to get the sunset over the lake. I just can't figure out how to get to the lake because it's a bunch. It's like a community, and there's a lot of houses and stuff, and I I can't just go on somebody's property. Um, and then mm-hmm. I want to get <laughs> same lake fog rising from it. So it was so foggy this morning. I almost like tried to figure out a way, but I wouldn't have been able to. You and I have talked about fog photos and I really want to do it too. I've only had a couple opportunities. It's like my ultimate. It's like my highest photo on my bucket list. Once I get it, I'm going to have to figure out something new to get. Once you, when you come here, we'll try to make it so that it's during like fog season. Cause it used to be really foggy all the time here and it's not anymore. We're just not getting yeah. enough moisture. So hopefully when you guys can come out, we'll get some fog photos. If not, I mean, we're going to go to San Francisco. 
So cool shots regardless. So well, and tons of fog. I mean, the bay has so much more fog and smog <laughs> and smog. Honestly, the city's not bad. Really? Yeah, it doesn't. I guess L.A. is just really what's bad. L.A. is disgusting. I, I want to get the smog rising. <laughs> just makes it look like the whole city's on fire. It's disgusting, especially when you're coming up over the pass, which is like, oh, <laughs> that's what I'm driving into. I really want to highlight just how bad the Dodgers and the Angels truly have it. <laughs> I don't fucking care if they have it bad. <laughs> I don't I don't hate I don't I don't hate the Dodgers oh nearly as much as I hate the Angels. I like the Angels, so I'm just gonna sit here and like quiet and be quiet. I I like trout. That's why I, I like it's it's hard to not like trout, but in general I've never had a good experience watching or or anything Angels related. I don't know. I just have a really hard time with them. I mean, I went to an Angels Dodgers game at Dodger Stadium, and the Dodgers were the worst fans I've ever experienced, and that's why I don't like. Dodgers. They do have terrible fans. Just in general, I'm sure there's plenty of nice people, like the individuals, but as a whole, it's kind of like Raider fans. If you're walking into their stadium, it's scary. Yeah, and I'm not okay with that. So I'm sure there are very nice people. But, like, I mean, nobody walks into Globe Life and has a fear of being jumped. So Same with Coliseum. Yeah, I don't, I don't like walking into a sporting event and Im- immediately feeling, like, kind of unsafe. Yeah, that's how it is at Dodger. At least it, it was for you. Little old me from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up with that California lifestyle, so... <laughs> As she as she gets rid of her almost Californian accent to like pull out this Texan accent, <laughs> born and raised the baby. <laughs> but my parents are born and raised California, so what can you do? Yeah, I mean, I've I visited Texas and I freaking loved it, but California, I'm just so used to that. I'm like, okay. Anyways, let's move on before we <laughs> bash more teams. <laughs> Okay, uh, must-haves in your camera bags. If we have anything weird or unusual or anything we keep in our bags, for especially for non-sport stuff. Uh, you go, because I can only really think of... I keep my little dongle for my SD card, and I keep my fisheye no matter what. So I desperately want that little dongle, but they don't seem to make it for compact flash, only for um, SD cards. I was going to say, just buy it on Amazon. I can, but- <laughs> Dude, I want to. That would be amazing. I can't find it for compact flash. Get a new camera. <laughs> Switch to Canon. <laughs> Keep it. No, I'm not changing. After after all that shit I bought, I don't think so. That's not. I'm not starting over. Um, I mean, I keep like rain gear. Like I have those rain, the plastic covers for my lenses just, just in case. We don't get a lot of rain here, especially during season, but just in case. I need to get some. I mean, I was using those Target umbrella bags. I just cut the ends. I'm serious. It totally worked. Um, I actually bought some gear from Amazon, though, that I haven't actually had to use. But it's in my bag, just in case. Because opening day for the ports got rained out last year. I mean, other than that, I have. I usually have a snack with me. Smart. Um, I try to, because there are just sometimes where I'm, like, randomly hungry. And then stopping during a game to go to concessions or something is... And then paying money when I'm trying to work to get paid. <laughs> Spending your paycheck at the concession stand. <laughs> 
like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, 60 bucks from this thing, but I'm going to spend 10 of it on concessions just to get a freaking hot dog (laughs) and a water bottle, you know? Um, I do keep business cards on me and usually a pad of paper and a pen, Um, but it's in my camera bag, which I don't always have with me. I don't, I don't always bring it into the dugout with me. I'll leave it in the press box. But just having those things, I, I mean, that's that's about it. I've got my SD card, and I make sure I bring my computer now. So if they need something after the game, I can I can do it. But I don't have any good luck charms that I can think of. Yeah, I don't have any good luck charms. I, I like. I mean, we have superstitions. I don't know, but that's like our thoughts. My thoughts are my good luck charms. It's the thought that counts. Um. In reality, we are the good luck charm. That's the superstition. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. What do you mean? I'm the good luck charm. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it just made me think of like the championship ring thing and um <laughs> I won't get into that. Um I thought of I keep lens cleaners in my bag. Like like for glasses. Um, they're little just like the cloths or no, like, yeah, like the wipe ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I love them so much, but I do. I keep like the microfiber ones, mm-hmm. but I, I stopped using the wet ones for a while. I think it was because I wouldn't need them a lot. And so, and especially with baseball, because it, there's the dirt, dirt then I felt like I was just making mud on it and I was having to use multiple ones to really get it clean. So I use a microfiber cloth to like dust it off first. Right. But I rarely have like fingerprints. It's just dust. Yeah, same. But that's a good thing to to have on hand. Some, I mean, really anything, whatever you're comfortable with cleaning your your gear. Um, so a go to lens and setup, um, just for like a just in case kind of day. So if you were just gonna go hiking or hanging out with Taylor, and you were bringing your camera, which lens would you bring? Probably my macro. Okay, the widest range, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. seventy-five to three hundred. Like, <laughs> I don't want to have to step back to take a photo if I'm like hiking or doing something. Um, I could always get as close to something as I want, though, unless it's like a tiger or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> but where am I gonna find a tiger hiking? Nowhere in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, my macro. I I've really fallen in love with my twenty-four seventy. I think it's hilarious that it took me so long to get one because that's been my go-to for, especially if I'm taking pictures of my son. So I I think the 2470, it's just the most versatile for me. I do, and I didn't talk about this earlier. Originally, I, when I got into basically professional photography, I thought I was going to do weddings and portraits. So I originally purchased several prime lenses, which are non-zoom, um, but it's the cheaper way to get a lower f-stop yeah. <laughs> and so i have i have an 85 a 50 a 35 and a 24 all prime but i rarely use those anymore even for portraits um the only one that i absolutely love is my 85 but like you said you have to stand pretty far back as far as good starter lenses for photography i just i just know what i started with <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know? I, I would just say don't don't use the stock lens that comes in your kit like <laughs> Yeah, like you're not going to find a starter kit at Costco. You're not going to find a bundle. I've seen like on Amazon where they're like, oh, it's got a sports lens and it's got a macro lens and it's got a wide angle lens. And I'm like, these things don't even have like specs on the lens. 
Like it, <laughs> it doesn't have a brand name. I have no idea what kind of glass yeah. it has. They're calling like a macro lens. And I'm like, there's no actual macro setting. It's basically going to be like the mac- the little lenses you can get from your iPhone. They say that because it has the camera. Has and it, like, like, that's what I think is so stupid. Yeah, it's just to match the the, the stock setting. Um, and they're like, this is a sports lens. And I'm like, okay, it's probably like a 7300, but it's also probably like an F6. <laughs> like, um, kind of important to say that I don't, I, I assume you do as well, but mm-hmm. I use a full frame sensor and not a crop. Um, I know some sports photographers who like the crop because it basically zooms in all of your lenses automatically. But basically, all it's doing is cropping it for you. So if I was to take my photo into Photoshop and then crop it just a tiny bit, it does the same thing. But I would rather have a wider shot and crop it down yeah, later I if do I too. want to than have it automatically done. I I want too much control over my camera and my lenses. So the yeah. full frame I mean, more we're sense basically me. the same, except I use the more elite camera. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> shade and the gauntlet all in one fell swoop all right no if i'm being honest i don't use nikon because i don't understand nikon so i mean i'm sure that they're both great cameras that's the thing i think there's pluses and minuses both ways when i first started i my film camera was a nikon and then my, my first digital was a canon and i went back to nikon only because i was constantly not being able to find what I wanted in the Canon menus. Like for some reason it wasn't intuitive to how I would organize my menu. And so I couldn't find things quickly. And in sports photography, like everything has to be done quickly, even in between pitches or in between batters. Like if I'm changing my settings, I need it to do go fast. Right. And it's, um, it's definitely what, like what it's whatever, like, like Apple and Android, it's what's best for you. You know, yeah. as long as it's not mirrorless, you're doing great. So <laughs> There's options for a reason because people's preferences are going to be different. Right. There's a lot of pluses to Canon that I know Nikon cannot catch up with. And there's, but because Nikon just feels more comfortable in my hand. And honestly, the best equipment that you can have is something that feels like it's just an extension of your own body. And that's how it is for me. So that's why I like my Nikon. Right. I was just picking on you. That's all. No, I know. Okay. I just, I, people ask me all the time. They're like, why do you shoot Nikon? And I'm like, most of the photographers that I run into, at least at Pacific, and I think at the ports are all shooting Nikon. And see, most of the ones I know are Canon. So that's interesting. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why. Different parts of the world. Is it regional? Different country. <laughs> I mean, really, California is basically its own world, and so is Texas. Like, forget the rest of the United States. Like, we are already, like, extensions (laughs) of the United States. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) We're special, guys. Basically. We're, like, amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Dead. Okay. Unwritten rules of using a flash and different kinds. This question makes me laugh. (laughs) My rule is just don't. Yeah, my my flash rule is I can't say I ever use flash ever, ever. Well, I mean, I especially in sports, most places you're not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. So unless you're in a pro arena where you're like shooting for the team and you can hook up to their strobes that are in the ceiling, you generally cannot use a flash during a sporting event. Yeah. So the signs that fans see like no flash photography, that goes for the professionals as well. We're not allowed to use flash. Yeah. Not any of the places I've been to. Um, the different kinds, there are different kinds and 
truthfully, I don't really use flash, so I don't know the difference. I'm the same. I like I I have an external flash. I don't use it. I and when I'm doing weddings, anything, I don't use flash. I just adjust. I blah, I just adjust my settings. Yeah, I mean, and even uh, most of the time that works. I mean, unless you're doing sprints in a dark gym, <laughs> it'll it should work out. And why would anybody um, be doing sprints in a dark gym unless they're trying to get hurt? And photographing <laughs> it. Like, turn on the damn lights. This is the creativity neither of us understand. So, no, I mean, I like the idea of doing it. I have one speed light, um, which has come in handy, but I also used an Ellen Chrome. I think it was a strobe. What are Ellen Chromes? I don't know. I used them. <laughs> At an event I shot in, De- in December. We legitimately do not understand flash, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't We're know. professional photographers who don't understand flash. That's that's what happened just now. Um, Fake it till you make it. That's basically my advice when people are like, what would you tell somebody who's trying to get into it? Just fake it, dude. Nobody will notice if you're carrying around your gear and you're walking around like you know what you're doing. Yep. People will ask you questions like, you're so good. How did you do this? I don't know. If, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I watched and I just hoped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for as long as I've been doing this, it's embarrassing how much stuff I end up Googling. I can bullshit all day. <laughs> That's why this is dangerous. Okay, so we had really wanted to actually end every episode with a random fact because we are the Random Weekly after all. And so while we do bring up facts within our episode, we really wanted to close one every episode out with one in particular. So because we're talking about sports photography this week, again, I actually randomly came across a tweet that I thought was super interesting about the first documented high five. And... Apparently, Shanna fact-checked that it was actually only back in 1977. So it was with uh, Glenn Burke. It was going to come in and lay down the first documented high-five on Dodgers teammate Dusty Baker on October 2nd, 1977. And I want to say, and I'll have to fact-check this. I don't know why I don't know for sure. Um, I want to say it had something to do with being in Oakland also. So that's kind of a cool fact for you. That would be uh, amazing if that's true. Yeah, when I when I was fact checking, I read Oakland, but then I was like, neither of these guys were Oakland players, though. So, so I'll have to like look into that. Also, well, and I'm I am looking at the photo, and it doesn't really look like Oakland, but I don't know what Oakland really looked like in 1977. So that's you don't. You weren't a teenager then? No, it was slightly before my time. Not far enough. Not far enough before my time. Because seriously, how did nobody document a high five before 1977? See, well, that's just like they implemented um, mound visit counts in the MLB this season. And so the first Mm -hmm. documented mound visit count, you know, like... So maybe they did document it, but this is just the first time, or not document it, like it happened, but it was the first time they actually like were like, oh, we're going to get a picture of that and make it a thing, you know? So 
I, yeah, because I mean, cameras had been around for a little while, but I don't know how long sports photography. Can you imagine sports photography? Like, <laughs> with, with your in, tripod in the, and. Yeah, with your, like, what would you have used? Edge a sketch. Uh, like, <laughs> sports photography was really sports drawing. Like, could you imagine, like, <laughs> ancient Greek Olympics? Like chiseling each athlete, <laughs> and they played naked. That's true. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd talk about like cave drawings because they're talking about like hunts and stuff like that. So that was basically their sports photography. Yeah, there you go. So that might be the first where we find the first sports documentation. We will look this know. up. But would hunting would hunting be a I don't sport know. back then? Because I feel like that's I don't, just survival. I mean, it is it is survival. I know people think hunting now is a sport. <laughs> that's a whole other issue. <clears throat> but your face, though. Thank God this is not video. Um, <laughs> um, 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 but I mean, I don't know if they had sports back then. I'm sure they had some games, some but pretty game. much everything back then would have been survival survival and i'm sure kids had sports but it was all not necessarily sports but like play Mm -hmm. um but then all i can think is that it all comes back to towards playing to survive later you know like they yeah play fought but that's because they needed to fight uh like saber-toothed tiger later you know like maybe not that drastic but just uh, a day in the life of a caveman (laughs) right (laughs) you know with all of my anthropology experience those pesky saber-toothed tigers. I mean, I've seen Ice Age. So anyways, we are going to look up the first actual sports photography photo, like where, when the actual first documented sports photo would have been taken, because I genuinely don't know. Um, but we do know that the first documented high five involved Dusty Baker, which I love. In 1977, which still seems way too late. Um, But Shanna was able to find that they actually did a 30 for 30 on ESPN, all about this one documented high five. And uh, we are actually both going to watch it because we haven't had a chance. We found it in our research before we recorded. Um, But the other good news is that we do have a blog URL, but we're going to actually start using it. That's the plan anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to get more content. You're going to be bugged even more than you already are. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't think we were in your face before, like, watch out. (laughs) But there's things that we're going to talk about where, especially if we're talking about sports photography, we obviously can't show a photo. So this will be a way to be able to show you what we're talking about. And it might help supplement our podcast and make more sense. Thanks again for listening to the Random Weekly Podcast. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is the Random Weekly. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting at or emailing us at therandomweeklypodcast at gmail.com. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Rate us so we can reach new audiences, and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. Music played in this episode is House by Two Triangles, Dangling Elephant by 60 Hertz Frequency, and Drive by Nikolai Heidlis. Mm-hmm.